Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday, the 25th of April. Today, I am joined by Duncan Belkin, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Duncan. How are you today? Good morning, Peter. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, So, um, which story have you decided to talk about today? Yeah, so I've picked a story from, well, it's kind of a combination of stories, but they're both from The Telegraph, mm-hmm. um, and they're about AI. I know, I know <laughs> listeners might cringe hearing me use that acronym again. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken a lot about AI recently, um, yeah. normally in a slightly hesitant or slightly negative way, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the fact we think it's not ready, or it, you know, we had stories a few weeks ago about some AI iterations going a bit rogue and saying they wanted to kind of have world domination that sort of thing so i picked this because today there's a couple of stories here that actually show ai in a bit more of a positive light Mm. um so one of them is um about helping teachers plan school lessons yeah obviously taking some strain off um (laughs) members of our working community that are probably overworked and underpaid constantly i think you know being able to take some strain off teachers would be a good thing and then there's another interesting story in there about um, AI being able to design world-class Michelin star dishes um, based off a, a load of criteria um, given to them. Mm. So and it's really interesting because obviously seeing seeing AI in a more positive light, um, let, let's be honest, it's going to happen. We're gonna, AI is going to become a, a day-to-day part of our lives. I don't think mm. there's any way of kind of dodging that. Mm. Um, and like I said, a lot of the commentary on AI at the moment is really concentrating on the negatives and why it's going to displace humans and people are going to lose jobs and things like that, which I get. It, it's horrendous for all people that could potentially be replaced by, by AI, AI to think about that. Mm. Um, but realistically, we're going to end up with AI in our lives day to day, whether we like it or not. So I think this kind of slightly different focus on ways we can use it to our advantage and to streamline processes and actually come up with good outcomes I think is a kind of a refreshing look at it. Mm. Um, now, uh, we were talking about this earlier, and actually I think for a lot of jobs that I think are worried about AI potentially replacing them, there's a certain aspect where I'm sitting there going, well, I don't think AI can fully replace you. Because I'm going to take lawyers as an example, um, because I know a lot of commentaries have been about AI being able to do junior lawyers' jobs and draft contracts and, and do due diligence and that sort of thing. Um, but I would argue that, you don't really get the full training on the job if you don't do that. You mm. don't get full kind of understanding of a co- contract law, I don't think, unless you spent that time drafting a lot of contracts. Mm. So I think to a certain extent, yes, AI could do some of that donkey work, but I don't think firms would be keen for it to do all of the donkey work because then you end up, I think, with, in this example, trainee lawyers that actually haven't had full training and, and aren't mm. as, as, as kind of competent as the lawyers 10 years ago that will have done all of this kind of two years mm. of drafting loads of contracts doing loads of fairly boring procedural paperwork mm. but it's kind of key to understanding the role mm. on the flip side of that i think there are some things that maybe ai could do and the one that jumped to my mind straight away when i read the story because um, one of these two stories mentions healthcare and the nhs um is wouldn't it be great if when you rang up your doctor's surgery at eight o'clock in the morning whatever time you have to nowadays to try and get a an appointment that day however the system works i know people moan about it constantly um wouldn't it be great if there was some variety of ai that could handle that call triage you 
and decide whether you actually need to speak to one of the three or four receptionists at the surgery who are run off their feet or not. Mm. Um, because actually at that point, you're not replacing the person. The person still needs to be there. Mm. But what you're doing is massively reducing the workload and stress of that person. Mm. Um, which is why I thought it was interesting for that and obviously for the education spin on this. So we can mm. kind of get these AI systems to, to work with people and essentially make their jobs easier or make their days kind of slightly more pleasant. I think that's a much better use of it than obviously looking at the, oh, can we can we replace people with them? Mm. Um, and I, I think that's, that's why I found these two articles interesting because they're looking at a way, I think, of improving and streamlining processes and almost like improving human performance without replacing them. So mm. I, just, I just thought it was interesting to like have a different spin on things. What's, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, this is it's, it is unusual to see something a bit more positive about AI. Um, and I think that, um, that the I, I do certainly agree with you on the, that aspect about um, learning the job. Uh, and the thing is, I'm sure that there'll be people listening to this um, thinking, oh, God, this is just another old man talking about this. Sort of but it's not it's you know, I look back on it um, on what I felt on what I had. And I know at the time there were instances where I thought, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I, I need to be doing something else, you know, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. But actually, it really, really helps. Helps, and because sometimes you're asked to do this kind of stuff, and it's not always they don't. People involved don't always have the time to explain the ins and outs and why it is actually important. And the other thing as well, because sometimes you don't have the experience to know the bigger picture, and then to think actually this they're not just making this up and to to you know annoy me um actually is it does work and i would say the best example of that is me right because and i say that because um at a number of the places that i worked you know i i had to write uh, you know i i had to do summaries of the news and look Isn't at what i'm doing look, look at what i'm doing now <laughs> right so i mean so i mean you know when i was at casanova um I was asked by my boss to do summaries for specifically for Fidelity. Um, then I uh, at uh, Macquarie, I was asked um, to do, you know, to, to do the notes um, for because we all had to know how to do the, the morning notes um, for all the clients. So there was that when I was at Sumitomo and um, I was asked to summarize um, newspapers, um, you know, to brief the sales team. Um, I mean, this is all in addition to what I was doing normally. But um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, all of that stuff, um, I mean, especially initially, I, I was thinking, oh, God, you know, this is really annoying and I don't need, need this on top of everything else. But actually, it's turned out to be pretty useful. So, you know, there's that. But I do also think as well, you know, again, when I was a stockbroker, um, I also had to do a lot of the operations stroke settlements part of things which i think now is probably illegal um because there's you know because there's there are you know the if you know too much about that then then there is the possibility that you can cover up trades and all sorts which i didn't do by the way but it just you know but the thing is i had people to are a lot more conscious of that now aren't yeah. they which is why i say it's not it's not now it, probably yeah. illegal. exactly so yeah so the thing is is that um is that I became a better. I became better able to service the Japanese clients that I had with all their particular idiosyncrasies 
because I knew how the settlement system worked. Because um, what would happen when I was working in Tokyo, they would, you know, we'd trade overnight with, with Europe. Um, and then, you know, in t- when I came to Tokyo, came into work in the morning in Tokyo, there was no one in the London office. And so, mm. you know, if there were any discrepancies, I had to deal with it. There was no one else apart from me that had to deal with it. Um, so I had to, um, and, and it was, it was, you had to do it quickly because I also, again, that you, you won't be able to do this these days, but I had to also to do the Forex as well. So I had, um, I had, uh, a, a, you know, standard chartered bank on one, on one phone. I had the client on the other phone. So I had two, I mean, it was the classic thing of what you see on the dealing floor, you know, back in the day, I had two phones on both my ears and I was talking to both people at the same time. Um, and, uh, I had to act, you had to act quickly. You had to make decisions that what the right amount of money was for the trades and all that. Now, the thing is, if I didn't have to do... So then when I went back to London particularly, I really understood exactly how it all worked. So when, you know, when uh, clients were talking... I mean, obviously, you know, we'd be doing the broking stuff, but then they'd say, oh, no, this trade hasn't settled or this hasn't done this or why is this? I could answer it all because I knew how it all worked. So, you know... Um, if there's anyone listening to this out there and you, you, just, you know, that you find yourself thinking, why am I doing this? Which is no, it's not, it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not what I said in my contract, whatever. There may well be a, a really good reason for it. But anyway, I think that, um, you know, going back to it, if AI takes away that element of your, of, of the job, um, I would say that it means that there is a risk that you won't understand what you're doing quite as well as you would have done had you done that kind of stuff. Mm. And so there is a bit of a risk there. So that's one thing. Another aspect of, um, of, of this AI uh, malarkey is that I feel that it may make people lazy creatively because I think it's, you become creative when you are, you bec- you're much better. To, you become creative if you the more times in life that you face like deadlines or or you have to do something by a certain time, you are forced, you are backed into a corner and you have to come up with something. And so quite often creative creative solutions are forced upon you. It's not always the first solution you go for, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And I I really think that, you know, I really think because at the moment, so what happened, it was quite funny yesterday. My oldest, he, he came, he, he's discovered chat GPT on his own. (laughs) And he said, daddy, daddy, there's this, have you heard of Chat GPT? And I thought it's doing, oh, it's doing all my homework for me. I know, I was thinking, oh no, oh no, he's discovered it, he's discovered it. Um, I mean, this is worse than him discovering that Father Christmas isn't real. And by the way, uh, he is real for all those listeners uh, out there who believe in Father Christmas. Just, just sorry, I didn't want to burst the bubble. But the, um, <laughs> but you know, I just think that, um, uh, you know, I thought, and I, you know, he, I said, I hope you're not uh, cutting and pasting and put that as an essay and he said no 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 i'm using it as a you know like a initial a first kind of research i said okay that's good and i think that see i think that's a really good way of using um something like chat gpt because if you have a problem you're thinking oh where do i start it's a great way of of thinking of of prompting ideas now the problem is is that if we all and i suspect over time many people will get very used to doing that. You know, I think, for instance, I, I think I said earlier, you know, when we first started talking about AI, that um, 
this means surely means the end of writer's block. You know, if you are mm. if you are there as a, as a creative writer and you think you know your your editor's on your back saying, okay, what's the next novel you're going to be writing? Then you you could say you know put your your the character that you've you've you know you've used in there and say and put in a different set of circumstances and scenarios and then see what it comes up with and then you might you might it, either you go with what it says or you it sparks something else mm. and i think it's a great thing that's a really good thing but the problem is is if you are not used to being put in positions where you have to be creative i think people are generally going to be less creative and i i, yeah. I mean you know, I, at the risk of sounding um, ridiculous here, uh, and I said this to you before, but you know, when I was when I was a, this, oh God, when I was a kid, had absolute, we didn't have any money, right? And so, quite, quite often, I mean, I, it's kind of laughing when I think about it now, but um, yeah, there'd be things I wanted, and I'd say to my mum, "Look, uh, can I get this?" You know, and she'd say, no, we haven't got any money. This is a stock answer. No, we haven't got any money. You can't do it. Why don't you make it yourself? Right. Constantly had to do that. Now, a great example of this was I did used to have um, a Hornby train set. Um, and I wanted the stations and the little houses and all that kind of stuff. And um, um, by the way, the train set was bought by my uncle. I hate to say. Um, and anyway, so I, I wanted to buy this stuff. It was too expensive. So um, I made all the um, the stations and the little houses and all that kind of stuff. Now, I think what happened was doing all that when I was growing up, it really made me be a sort of person who thinks about how something can be done rather than why something can't be done. And I think that was because I was constantly in that situation where I had to I had to come up with something. And so I, and so I think with chat GPT, the problem is that you might lack, you might lose that spark. So, mm. I mean, I, hopefully it won't happen, but I think it will. You want this technology to be able to assist people, don't you? But without yeah. removing, like I said, without, without moving kind of the bare nuts and bolts of the training and whatever job they're doing yeah. and without essentially removing the create creativity from people, because, mm. I would say that naturally gets bashed out of you a bit as life goes on anyway. So you don't want that technology <laughs> doing it as well. I mean, kids are incredibly creative. And you look at adults and go, come up with something. And they'll go, eh, yeah. let's just do it the same way we've always done it. Yeah, so yeah, I think if, you, yeah. if you've got a bit of technology, it essentially removes some more of that creativity. Mm. Like I say, mm. it's, it can't be a good thing. Yeah. But I, yeah. like I said, I do see with, with these two stories, I do see ways that AI can mm. be applied yeah. in a really positive way, I think. Yeah. And I think people have to embrace it because it is going to be it is going to be here. Mm. So it's no good sitting there going, oh, no, no, we can't do that. Can't do that. You're like, it's going to come. It would, yeah. be, it would be like if you were a teacher, you know, in the past and saying, no, no, we shouldn't use the Internet because, uh, you know, we've got perfectly good libraries with books in. Um, you know, mm. I mean, <laughs> I don't know whether how much people really do look at books these days because, um, you know, because of the fact that, that, that you can get more up to date resources online. Mm. um so you know it's diff different isn't it 
is different. Like I said, so so like I said, loads to unpack there, including AI in a slightly more positive light. Although we did talk about some negatives as well, because yeah. like I said, I think I think there always are with with this kind of concept of the type of technology. There's always going to be a yeah, but what if sort of angle yeah. to it. So yeah. th- that's why I found that so interesting this morning. Uh, what was your favourite story in today's Watson Daily? Okay, so I thought um, I would talk about Adidas um, because. Um, it was so this was a, an article from the FT uh, and it was talking about how Adidas has had a very, very tricky time in in China over the last few years because of all the strict COVID lockdowns um, and also a, a kind of boycott of Western brands who criticized the whole Xinjiang um, cotton thing and said that they wouldn't use it and all that kind of stuff. So um, there was a big you know um sort of push back on that um and there's also um the added competition of local makes like anta and Li ning now i have to say i haven't heard of leaning but i have heard so that's l-i uh dash n-i-n-g not nothing to do with standing at a, I, a, see, a I, d- I, funny angle i think that uh, might depend what, what sphere you come from as well because i'm the other way around i i had the leaning but not the other yeah, one yeah lining uh, and so uh answer <laughs> is i heard of answer because i do I, I started doing um weightlifting recently and um and uh, well, for, you know, a few months ago and uh everyone's going on about answer shoe you know weightlifting mm. shoes um and how good they are so um so yeah so it's interesting so there is there is they've got this they've had a tricky time but they've got a new um uh you know leader for uh for the china market and uh this this person came from puma and uh so i think it was interesting because um they, they they're doing a um i think they've got a really good strategy so what they're trying to do um, is they are trying to design more clothes for the local market. Um, they're they're um, going to increase the amount of domestic production, and they're going to cut lead times. And I think those you know domestic production and lead times go hand in hand because obviously mm. the closer to the end market that you are from where you produce, the quicker it's going to get around. The other good thing about that is is it means there'll be a swifter turnaround. So if you've got something that works really well you can produce more of it quickly. But if you've got something more important, if you've got something that doesn't work so well, um, you can stop production and, you know, you can minimize your losses. Because I think the problem is, is if you churn all this stuff out, you know, with loads, uh, you know, loads of volume and something doesn't work out, suddenly you're left with a whole load of stock that you need to shift. Yeah. The only way to shift it is to make it cheap. If you make it cheap, you can risk potentially cheapening the brand, so um, so it is a it is an important thing to do. Uh, and so, like I say, I think strategically, this is a really good way of um, uh, the Chinese. You know, uh, uh, yes, yeah, it's a really good way of um, of, um, of of them addressing a market that used to be their biggest growth market in the world and mm. has taken a massive kicking over the last few years. So, um, so I think that's really good. And it's interesting. You think, I mean, cause I was like, you know, how, how long can this athleisure, uh, trend go on for, but you know, how, how many pairs of joggers and hoodies <laughs> and stuff can people have? But I think it looks to me like a lot, but I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree a lot. It seems that people now have enough kind of 
uh, leisure wear to to kind of clothe themselves for an entire week and not wear the same thing twice, don't they? Mm. I, and people people still don't seem to be stopping buying it because um, mm. there's kind of the new new season of this and, and every new collection and yeah. seems to, seems to sell. So people just seem to keep replacing the seven pairs of joggers they've got. We've got new colours, haven't you? We've exactly. got new colours. Yeah, but I, mean, um, I've heard, I think the um, the local market design idea is is really good i think because that's mm. something i think athletic brands haven't really capitalized on yet you look at i know a completely different industry if you look at like um, fast food restaurants you look at mcdonald's their mm. restaurant menu will be different depending on what country you're in mm. but as a general rule athletic brands it's the same regardless of what country you're in so i think how the idea like i think making kind of some some red red items with china on them in china mm. is a great idea because one thing I think um, athleisure brands really struggle with is brand loyalty. And mm. there are a couple of outliers to that. So I would say the likes of Gymshark and possibly Under Armour mm. might it might be a, a kind of an exception to that. Mm. But generally, buying one Nike Nike tracksuit does not mean the next thing you're going to buy is Nike. Buying one Adidas tracksuit does yeah. not mean the next thing you buy is Adidas. Mm. So I think by designing for local market, you might actually end up developing a little bit more of that brand loyalty. Yeah. Because you've got a, a massively patriotic country like China is, and you kind of start designing a few lines are based around the country the culture the color schemes they like mm, mm. you're probably more likely to find the same customer buying multiple sets from you rather than going well i'll buy an adidas thing next week but all oh, that nike thing looks nice and actually i call out that under armor t-shirt and actually those, mm. those reebok trainers are nice mm. <laughs> you know what i mean mm. it might, might start kind of cultivating a bit of that brand loyalty that i think athletic brands struggle with in general mm. yeah um, yeah no I, I agree i agree i mean i think that um you know, there's, there's, I suppose, I, I suppose that, that, you know, people do have preferences, but also I think that probably has something to do with influences as well, doesn't it really? I mean, you're in, a, you're in, in the, in the camp of, you know, whatever influencer it is and they, and they, they represent one particular brand. So you're more likely to go with them, but. Well, and I think, I think that's why I know uh, leaning as a, as a local brand will be very, very popular because that yeah. was, uh, leaning was a, um, uh, uh, Olympic gymnast, Olympic ah. gymnast for China, and and that's the na- the name of the brand come, come obviously comes from him. So right. obviously a lot of Chinese people will be very very familiar. Right, right, no <laughs> fair mean? enough. But I, I know is he, they, do I mean, of, they do kind of racket sports stuff, and I think some NBA players wear leaning clothing so in places. So is it sort of like the Chinese equivalent of Michael? You know, of like Jordan. So I suppose it might maybe yeah yeah not like far like off, Michael yeah. Jordan or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, I, guess, okay. I guess so. But the p- people I've seen were kind of in kind of racket sports. There's a few people that are sponsored by Leaning, and obviously oh, I, like right. a lot. I think Shaquille O'Neal as a ba- used to be used to wear Leaning as well. As oh, right, NBA. So, so they, which is so weird they do, obviously come they, from gymnastics, but they, they do. <clears throat> so they do large sizes then. Uh, clearly, because he's enormous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a big bloke. Shaquille O'Neal yeah. makes me look small. Yeah, <laughs> how's he? You know, he's like he's like seven foot or something. He's, he's something like six foot. Yeah, it's something ridiculous, isn't he? He's like six foot ten or something. Yeah, he's, I he's, thought he might be seven foot. But I'm not no, I, think, sure. I think he, I think he's something like seven foot one. I think he's over. Oh, I think he's God. like well over two meters tall. That's just really he's, amazing, he's, isn't it? Enormous, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's yeah, not one size fits all. If it was designed by a gymnast yeah. and worn by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, no, because the thing is quite interesting. This because you know, um, I th- I think sort of what you know in Japan there there's obviously there's a lot of um when when you have um western brands going to japan quite mm. often they have to change the 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 um the sizing and you get um thinner you know like slimmer and shorter uh stuff 
because okay. you know generally speaking um people are slimmer and shorter um so like your your the sleeve length won't be as long as oh. um, as they will in other markets and things so, so it's so quite interesting. That we call slim fit over here is just the general fit for well i don't know <laughs> i think it all depends does it? it all depends on the make and uh, mm. etc but um but yeah i mean there, there is that so often you'll see things that say or if you're online it will say asian fit um so you know to to show that it's maybe you know uh slimmer but uh but yeah but there you go Um, i won't be buying any of that then (laughs) fair enough (laughs) unless it's got lycrin um so so yeah so um so anyway yeah i think that um uh this is interesting good tactic you know i'm sure others either do that already or if they don't maybe they should um because clearly it is a very competitive market out there um but anyway uh okay well look i think we'll we'll leave it there uh we'll leave it there for today i mean there are loads of other stories today there are 18 stories in today's watson's daily um if you like the athleisure stuff we've got a story on on very uh impressive gym sharks there um we've got uh credit suisse uh we say we got you know stuff on credit suisse first republic um, some stuff actually comes quite serious stuff on war games. So yeah, um, in you know war games in the Pacific. So there's loads of stuff there, and um, you know you need if you want to want this stuff to be useful for you, you do need a breadth of stories so that you can see the um, uh, you know to spot the trends. Anyway, um, thank you very much indeed, uh, Duncan, for yeah, your for, for your thoughts today. Um, I yes, I am actually I am sitting in athleisure wear as we speak. Um, just so you know, obviously I'm I'm we're talking, I'm talk we're we're talking about what what I'm preaching, what I'm doing, what I'm preaching. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> have a have a great day. Um, see everyone. Uh, well, you know, we'll be back in tomorrow. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Peter. Bye.